This is Annette Abena and welcome to Diaspora Talks. Diaspora Talks is a podcast connecting Africa's fastest growing businesses with the diaspora. Who are Africa's most exciting businesses? Who are the entrepreneurs behind the brands? Where are the opportunities for us to invest? I started this podcast to bridge the gap between the diaspora and Africa by telling the stories of African founders globally. You can hear these stories on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and all other major podcasting platforms. Stay tuned. Kaleidoscope Beauty is a contemporary jewellery brand with philanthropy at the heart of its work. The unique pieces are handmade by Kenyan artisans determined to turn their lives around. From young mothers to reformed criminals and street boys faced with the burden of multi-generational poverty, lack of sanitation and the harsh realities of living in the slums. Today I'm speaking with the founder of Kaleidoscope Beauty, Umatoni. Hi Umu, welcome to Diaspora Talks. Hey, hi Annette, thank you very much for having me, excited to be here today. That's good, that's good to hear, um, I'm so glad to have you. I think it's really, really good to have, you know, a sort of different perspective. Um, mm-hmm. It's not every day we hear from someone with a Kenyan and also Rwandan background. That That's right, isn't it? Yes, yes, I'm both. I'm both um, Kenyan and Rwandan. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, I think for our listeners, it'll be really good to hear this perspective. Um, but before we get into, you know, your business and your story, etc., cetera, um, I wanted to ask you a question, which I'm asking all of my interviewees this season. Mm-hmm. And that is... If you had a magic wand, what is one thing you would change about your home country? And of course, in this instance, it's Kenya and Rwanda. Um, mm. So tell me what that one thing is and why. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting question. So mm-hmm. I will answer this question from the perspective that I'm from both. Right. So yeah. I have a unique perspective because I'm able to experience life as a Rwandan and as a Kenyan like I can tap into both so comparing the two I would say one thing I've struggled with on the Kenyan side is maybe the engagement with say government officials or just people quote unquote in power because I think the mentality um, is kind of things are the way they are you know if that makes sense and when I say that I, I I mean, on the Rwandan side, I've seen a lot more youth engagement. Like, they actively seek that, like, constantly. Even if you see there's a campaign at the moment, the Visit Rwanda, they're they're thinking outside of the box. They're, you know, being, they're sponsoring Arsenal, which is a football, international football club. So even things like that are very, quite innovative. And it does show that they've clearly got young people on the team. Um, And then again, this is just going from my experience, even from the, I used to do something called Miss Scuba Kenya before, which was to do with pageants. It was, I did have a few challenges just trying to get people on board, but I guess that's also comparing the two, like Kenya's a a much bigger population. Kenya's known. I think if you say like countries in East Africa, it's probably a a bigger nation and it has a longer standing, I don't know, economy kind of thing in terms yeah. of where where they are so that is definitely one thing I would change that's really interesting and you know um I think uh, the other day I was listening to a podcast about Rwanda and mm. it, and the way it's you know reformed since the genocide yeah. um and I think that may have a lot to do with the innovation that they're investing in 
um, in that, you know, after the genocide, it basically had to start again. Um, mm. And so there's a lot of things that has happened since then, which are quite exciting. So that that's a very interesting perspective. So thanks for sharing. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, definitely. So the youth engagement rate, I would say. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I wanted to go in now into, you know, the idea behind Kaleidoscope Beauty. And I know we've spoken about this. And in fact, actually, for my listeners' sake, um, Uma and I actually go way back, right? I was so, about to say, how could you skip yeah. the whole story? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, so Uma and I went to school together. Um, so she's a couple of years older than me. But when I was in year 11, I was doing my business studies coursework. And um, I use Umu's old coursework to help me out. And then it was so helpful. So I reached out to her. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, this was amazing. It really helped me out. <laughs> and then she was so helpful as well. And now we're talking about your business. So, like, you know, biz- from business studies coursework, GCSE, Honestly. to now talking about your fully-fledged business that is, you know, international um, and also, of course, rooted in, in Kenya. Yeah, and same to you. Like, honestly, I remember when you came up to me, I was so touched. I was like, oh, she's (laughs) (laughs) After all those hours that I'd slaved. But honestly, this just goes to show, like, life is full circle. Like, you clearly had an intention from a young age. I had an intention from a young age. Like, it wasn't just a subject. We wanted businesses. We wanted to have that understanding. So it's an absolute blessing to kind of connect with you how many years later, on yeah. your own platform as well so huge congratulations man I'm so proud of you so so proud of you oh thank you thanks but yeah no <laughs> definitely a 360 moment so yeah um but yes so going back to you know your light bulb moment the moment mm-hmm. that you realized that Lightscope could be a business um how did that idea come about okay so it was a bit of a process for me and I think there were lots of experiences that came together to make my light bulb moment so back in secondary school I used to go to Kenya um every summer I think it was actually my mum's way of keeping myself and my sister like occupied out of trouble um (laughs) during the summer holidays so we used to spend our uh, summers out in Kenya and I'd always get gifts for whether it was friends or um, neighbours, that kind of stuff. Like, just bring back some small souvenir. And nine times out of ten, it was from... It was jewellery. There was something called the Maasai Market that happened in Nairobi, like, once a week. So I'd go in there with my um, cousins, with my auntie. We'd get a few bits. And what happened is um, the following years, I would have people come up and be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Can you get something for me? So whether it was an auntie, it was like, can you get me this? Or, you know, like my mom's friend or a friend's friend of mine would ask for some additional jewelry. And probably at the time I was 15, 16, I did not have unlimited funds. So I think the first Mm -hmm. time I was like, oh yeah, okay, let me get one extra gift. And then after that, I was like, no, this can, this cannot run. I do not have unlimited (laughs) funds. And so I asked, would you buy it? And the answer was yes. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. So again, went with my auntie this time, just got like a bit of stock, a few um, very like variations, necklaces, earrings, some were set, some were individuals. And I think I had my initial business model then. So that would have been when I was 16 years old. Um, but back in secondary school, I 
did a lot of things, extracurricular activities. So I used to play tennis, netball, swim. And I think even when it came to the business, like it was good. It was fun. I remember there's even one church fair that I sold at and I, I made a yeah. hundred pounds in one day, um, which at the time was phenomenal. I was like, wow, I can go to Wood Green and get all the lip glosses <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I can get strawberry, cherry, grape, yeah. all the different pineapple, <laughs> honestly. Um, so it was it was definitely an, an eye opener. I think the, the seed was planted from a young age, but I wasn't very invested at, into in starting a business at that age. And I was like, oh, okay, that was fun, but let me go and enjoy the little social life that I do have. Yeah. Um, but then, fast forward a number of years, I was watching Black Panther. Right, we were all Wakanda forever, and I remember yeah. watching the film and just looking at the costume design and seeing more or less the exact same drug yeah. I was selling as a teenager. And I was like, wow, I can see the inspiration from say the Maasai tribe and all like different tribes throughout the African continent. And then I think later on, I came across an interview um, by the costume designer, Ruth Carter. And she was yeah. talking about how she went to Africa her and her team went to Africa. They did all this research. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I could do that. I used yeah. to do that, like research. That could be speaking to my grandma. That could be speaking to an auntie. That could actually just be me. You know, I go to Kenya for free. Like, why don't I bring the business model back? And so from there, I was quite inspired. I asked a few friends. Um, and that is kind of where the business model came from. But in addition to that, I have a heart for the continent. I believe that we as, as you know, members of the diaspora, we have a responsibility um, I think there's something in your email signature, which I actually found really inspiring. Let me see if I can actually find it where you say, bear with me one moment. Africa's future is up to Africans, right? Yes. We start yeah. from the simple premise that Africa's future is up to Africans. And I 100% um, stand by that. So, and why I say that is because central to our brand is the philanthropic mission. So it's all about empowering disenfranchised our artisans, young men and women who are in the slums, who've been able to create a sustainable source of income for themselves and their families, yeah. develop skills. So I wanted there to be an element that helped um, the, the communities where our jewellery is made, but not just from like a giver-taker a model you know because right. I think sometimes that can create dependency so yeah. if I am Umu and you are Annette and you I am depending on you Annette to give me something to I will start to I ju I'll just wait I'll just get into a place where I'm waiting for you to yeah yeah whereas because I spent so much time in Kenya I go more or less every year and I have for for quite a while there's a young generation. They are just as inspired as us, if not more inspired and more um, innovating. And I was like, wait, people have the ability to learn. They have their own dreams. Like, why don't we all work and support each other? I think that's more of a, a sustainable model. And then also from the perspective, like I'm young, I, I do not have unlimited funds myself. So yeah. let's create a cycle and let's create a, a model that is sustainable moving forward. And so... All of that to say that that is how my light bulb moment came about. So once I, I went to Kenya, I met a number of artisans. I actually went into the slums, which was the first time I'd done so. Wow. Uh, yeah, ever. 
Um, and it was just really good to see everybody come together. I thought it was, I'm in a unique opportunity. I mean, unique situation where I'm British, born and raised, but I have my strong affinity with my East African roots. So that is how it all came together for me. Yeah, no, amazing. And you've actually said quite a few things there that I wanted to draw out. Mm-hmm. Um, first one being that, you know, when you said, I can do that. And I think a lot of us in the diaspora are in that unique position where we have that affinity, like you talked about, to Mm. do things. So, you know, you mentioned the Black Panther Mm -hmm. um, costume designer who had to go out and research. Mm -hmm. Possibly they didn't really have any affinity at all to to Africa or to Kenya or wherever. Um, And they had to employ people who did. Mm -hmm. We have that already. So there's a lot of things, you know, aside from what you're doing, which is jewellery, um, there's a lot of products and services that we are in a unique position to mm-hmm. really provide and to offer. So I think that's a really good point. Um, and the second thing that you drew out was about the fact that, you know, you wanted, I guess, a different, you wanted to see a different relationship to money um, and, you know, investment um, than we have seen in, you know, the last few years. So, for example, I'm sure like you many of our parents simply just send money back home and then, yeah. you know, it goes into a black hole. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, we're con- continuing to sustain people and, you know, there's no reinvestment, there's no sustainability. Yeah. Now, I think with our generation, we want to see investment that is sustainable, that, you know, has long-lasting effects and longevity um, and creates impact like you're doing. So I think that a lot of people can relate to that. So it's amazing to see that you're actually making the impact. Um, and now finally you talked about you know the fact that you went into the slums for the first time I'd really like to hear your experience about that because I know that you employ young people in the slums of Baba Dogo which is in the outskirts of Nairobi Mm -hmm. can you share your experience and also some of the stories of the individuals that Kaleidoscope is actually impacting yeah yeah sure so I guess following on from something you just said, we as members of the diaspora, we're in a unique position where we don't necessarily have to hire people to find to do a lot of the research, right? So you were talking about the costume designer, she probably had to hire a team, they had no affinity to the motherland, and we are. So what I did when I started is I actually got in touch with one of my aunties. In fact, it was the auntie that used to do my shopping with me back in the day. So the vision kind of grow, and I told her, what it is that I was trying to to do, the business I was trying to establish and how it was core that this helps to build a community. So could she kind of identify some artisans, some people who already, you know, have got the expertise that I could potentially partner with? So she, we worked together, my auntie Angie, love her with all my heart. She's always been wow. super supportive and she um, gave me a few options. So she sent me some of the pieces that they made. Um, and when I was out there, we went around and met some of the artisans. So going into the slum was very, a very humbling experience. It was a very humbling experience because I think even from the diaspora, when we tend to go to the motherland, I mean, this is a huge generalization, but it tends to be Christmas, summer, we go yeah. live our best lives. We'll go, you'll hit the good clubs, we'll go yeah. to the, the beach. Like we live a good life. And it's nearly, you know, we take our international pounds or dollars and it's multiplied out there, you know. But just seeing the realities of 
people who are not in such a fortunate kind of um, situation. But something that was really uplifting about their circumstances is just the mentality that they had. Like everybody was hustling, everybody was doing stuff, you know, you'd see um, like one of my artisans, a young guy called Dennis, he's actually in our mission video. I was talking to him. And so he, he took me around the slum because as you can imagine, it's, it's yeah. yeah, you need somebody to, to kind of take you around. And so we just had a conversation. I was like, you know, what's your dream? What are you trying to do? So he's actually an actor. He wants to be in movies and shows. And so he uses the money that he um, makes from, from the jewelry. And he has his own little like kiosk um, where he sells music, DVDs. Again, that is, I pass um, my mission video kind of pans his store. And then he uses the money that he makes from that to help fund his dream of being an actor. Um, so that's one example, something that's really recent. So actually, as of yesterday, we dropped our first men's item, well, unisex item. So we've got the Umoja rings. And that, again, is off a few conversations I had last year. So throughout 2019, I'd have a lot of people reach out to me and say, hey, when are the men's items coming? We really want to support as well. Like when, and I remember being quite blown away by that because I was thinking, ah, yeah, we weren't really in the plan when I was, this was like the women. Yeah. But actually, um, because, so I did all that research when I spent Christmas out there, got the rings prepared and then COVID-19 hit. And I was like, wow, right. it, it would be super insens insensitive of me to now just be like, hey guys, I know there's a global crisis, but come and buy these <laughs> rings. So it really forced me to think outside of the box um, to think, okay, so we say philanthropy is at the heart of our business, it's at the heart of the mission. This is a crisis. This is a time to help people as right. ever, right? So how can we make, like match the two and have an even greater impact? So 50% of the um, sales are going to go towards supporting families. Again, talking to some of our artisans and just re understanding the reality of, of life out there. Um, in the midst of this global crisis, the pandemic that we're experiencing, like it's very dire, like it is mm -hmm. on a day to day normal life. It is quite, you know, um, a difficult situation to be in and difficult circumstances to survive in. But say for people who, I don't know, they they would sell fruit and veg, whether it was on the road or they'd have a small kiosk, like with the current restrictions, they have not been able to um to, to get as much money people's yeah. children's have been sent home so whereas they didn't have to worry about feeding their children breakfast lunch and dinner because they or or breakfast and lunch um because that was all taken care of at school they now have to think how they're going to feed their family so right. just um again talking to the artisans understanding okay so what kind of food do people need how much does that food cost if we were to support a family for the course of a month, what would that look like? So we just did some of those cal calculations. So 50% of the sales from the ring are gonna go towards supporting a family for a month. And that's just purchasing items such as like maize flour, beans, rice, sugar, um, green grams to keep them sustained um, for, for the next month or so. So yeah, I think the reality is we as, well, as, as a global community, as individuals throughout the globe, we have to learn to pivot. You know, yeah. there's also a, a saying that says, if you're not a part of the steamroller, you will be a part of the road. 
which can seem quite like, oh, it's a bit harsh, but that is the reality. There's so many changes going on um, throughout the globe at work. We're working from home. Um, yeah. We're recording this podcast. We're not in a studio together. We're yeah, exactly. at home. I'm on my laptop. You're on your laptop. So we have mm-hmm. to adapt and grow. And yeah, I just encourage other people to to kind of bear that in mind. And yeah, think of we need to be solutionists. Yeah, basically. Yeah. No, yeah, that that is an incredible lesson about pivoting. And one thing that you mentioned that I love is the fact that you're in constant communication with the people that you are serving or that you're impacting I think for a lot of people especially those of us in in I guess the second generation or third generation in the diaspora Mm. a lot of people are very skeptical about you know charity initiatives simply because of the things we've read and seen um, from back in the day Mm. Um, and just under now understanding that a lot of those charities weren't making the impact that they were you know purporting to so knowing that you are in constant direct contact with the people that you're serving and that conversation has really fed into the calculation that you have made really allows us to understand the kind of impact we would be making if we were to you know purchase something from kaleidoscope so i think that's really really incredible um but um as you were talking it made me think of my next question which Mm. was about how you actually manage the business whilst being based here in london I think for a lot of people that are listening and, and many people in the diaspora, mm-hmm. they want to start something, start a business um, in, in Africa or back home with all their respective countries, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't actually want to be based full time. Yeah. Um, one for in, one for out. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a huge debate about whether that's possible, but obviously you're doing it. So it'd be good to get some insight and, and possibly some advice for others that aspire to do the same about how you manage to do that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So again, prior to Kaleidoscope Beauty, I did something called Miss Scuba Kenya, which was a, an international pageant all about marine conservation. So I competed, I represented Kenya on an international platform. The year after that, I was a director, right? So this put me in a unique situation where I was experiencing this whole scenario for the first time. So trying to do, well, to get Miss Scuba Kenya, I wanted her to actually be based in Kenya whilst I was in my first job out of university here in London and so I remember thinking to myself like oh no this will be all right I if I I plan to go to Kenya maybe twice throughout the course of that year I was thinking a lot of the conversations could happen online like everybody else like at work right during my nine to five you can go through the entire sales process without meeting anybody so from email introduction sending collateral demo with with you know engineers or whatever to signing a contract video calls all of that so however my experience during Miss Miss Scuba Kenya just showed me that there are some differences with in Kenya like in Africa like the dynamic um is the way people build relationships we like to meet in person right right? Mm -hmm. so even where I started having certain conversations via email I'd always come to I'd hit a roadblock where people would be like okay where can we when can we meet face to face Mm -hmm. and I'd be like oh you know I'm coming in a couple of months but let's continue the conversation and it wouldn't really progress past that so that was the first time and I think I ended up going to Kenya maybe three times throughout the course of one year um and try to, you know, maintain the email communication until I was on the ground, maintain the email communication until I was on the ground. 
but I guess advice for anybody who is thinking of of actually starting a business um, is you have to really get to I did a BBC um, five tips on this, right? So there were a few tips that I had on there. Number one, I would say like, make sure you do spend time on the continent. Like try to meet people in the field that you're trying to establish a business um, in, just so they can help give you their perspective. You can bounce off each other with, with regards to, to ideas. So spend time on, on the continent. Um, and not even just from a business perspective, really understand what your country has to offer the international globe and be very open minded while you're out there. So don't go thinking, yes, I'm going to copy and paste everything like the model from my nine to five to this business that I'm trying to implement. Like you need to go there understanding how things work on the ground because yeah. they do work or there are aspects that do work and they actually work a lot better so it needs it's a bit of a a learning experience Mm -hmm. um create the contacts create the networks meet people and again just try and keep those relationships going as much as possible and then also I would say if if your country does offer if our country does offer the opportunity to have dual nationality I would definitely recommend getting a passport Because that helps so much because you then don't have to go operating as a, you know, insert diaspora and nationality here, you know, you can go as I can go as a Kenyan, I can set up a, a bank account as a Kenyan, I can, even when you're actually spending time out there from a tourist perspective you can pay the domestic rates as opposed to the international rates and that will allow you to save the time save the money like it's a lot easier for you to operate that way so a number of tips that I mean it definitely does take some time so but it's worth the investment so spend time out there be a student like understand how business works out there understand how these connections are made maintain relationships or build relationships within the networks that you're trying to to establish yourself and build um, into or from and then also just help yourself where you can and gain nationality, like get that passport, make things easier for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no. Re- no, amazing. Cause you know, you really show some practical tips. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time when people ask this question, you know, you get that wishy-washy kind of answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I hope people are hearing, you know, these are practical tips and, and guides. Um, and also, I love the fact that you shared some insight into some of the challenges that you faced initially about, you know, contacting people via email and, and having a bit of a block um, once you were just trying to establish a relationship. Yeah. So that's really helpful. Um, but, you know, that leads me into my next question about the fact that, you know, up until this point and so far, um, Kaleidoscope Beauty is actually your quote-unquote side hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, and also your first business. So you currently work a nine to five in, in finance. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know how you do it, but it's incredible. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, you know, if you could share some insight into some of the challenges that you face running a business on the side and how you've navigated this. Definitely. So first of all, you said you don't know how I do it. You are doing the exact same thing, baby girl. <laughs> you are. I know. You've been doing it for a while. <laughs> And winning, so. I mean, I'm rooting for you. So, 
challenges there have been a number of challenges I think the good thing is this is a passion of mine so I find the energy to pursue a business outside of the nine to five which can already be quite um you know quite challenging and you know tiring all that good stuff but it is just about trying to be again as resourceful as possible so I run the business online so it's e-commerce um www.kaleidoscopebeauty.co.uk so i built that website um using a platform which was fairly easy to to kind of build upon so the website itself has an app i can manage those things from my phone um with regards to say social media scheduling stuff like that i do i schedule a lot of my posts in advance so again, just to kind of take the pressure yeah. off of trying to be, oh my gosh, it is 7.30 in the morning. Let me post my first thing. Like that's already scheduled like a night before or the weekend before, depending on how organized I am. Um, so that aspect of things is is covered. I would say there are definitely times um, where say I've gone to work and then in the evening I work maybe just as hard, if not harder on the business. But again, I think life is all about balance right so right now we're young we have the well I'm single and I am I'm not a mother at this point so there there's certain freedoms that I have where I can afford to invest more time because I have right yeah so you can invest time in the business whether it's if I'm say trying to do a, a marketing campaign or reach out to publications I will make sure that I've set up an email template. So just the main template that I'm going to use and I've got a list of all of the contacts. So when it comes to the actual execution, all I have to do is copy paste, maybe edit a certain part to make it a little bit more personal to the person I'm um, sending to, but that is it. So try and simplify the processes as much as possible, definitely. Um, Weekends are gonna be nearly a thing of the past <laughs> I mean it is it is also a, del- a delicate balance because you don't want to lose your mind you don't want to burn out so you need yeah. to also just manage that somehow but yeah there, there's 24 hours in the day we all have the same time as Beyonce I guess right so <laughs> you can wake up in the morning you can sleep late you can work during your lunch hour um yeah there are ways it, exactly especially now that we're in lockdown you, yeah. it's a lot easier to do that you don't have to kind of sometimes I'd go and have um lunch by myself because I had work to do and I'll make sure I was away from everybody at work and they'll be like oh even if I did bump into a colleague I would have to be like oh no you know just wanted some time to myself actually no I am working very hard right now but you have yeah. I'm working on um, <laughs> honestly so it can be very difficult to to balance I think something I'm still trying to understand is how much I share with my colleagues, with yeah, my team, do you share? Do you not share? You know, um, my, if you go on my LinkedIn right now, you will not even know I have a business. That's still <laughs> something I'm trying to um, balance. You just mm-hmm. see like the nine to five, the educational history, and everything else. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I have like the template for that, but it, it's yeah. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, even if you don't have a template, you've definitely shared some real practical tips again. Mm. Like, I think you are taking some notes. (laughs) But um, I think, yeah, I think even as key is that, you know, this is from your perspective and what has worked for you so far. 
Um, and of course, it, it all depends on what people's current nine to fives are, what industry they work in, yeah. and what business they're trying to pursue. It, pursue. But of course, these are very good overarching um, general tips. So that's that's been amazing. Exactly. Um, and then you also yeah. have a support team, right? So my family have been very supportive. My mom and my sister, they know how to pack the packages. They know how to tie the ribbons. They know what goes inside the card. So also get like a team around you that can support you because no man is an island, you know? So as much as possible, um, I mean, we probably won't have events for a hot minute, but it's good to know that there are a few people that you can count on. Say if you even need something proofread, um or just to bounce ideas off of to to just have exactly a network of people who are doing the same thing and then can just share um solutions that they've found and see if they'll work for you yeah 100 percent. i totally agree with you find your tribe um Mm -hmm. and really stick stick with it because it can be very lonely um but yeah do you know just to 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 round off Mm -hmm. um I wanted to ask you a question about, you know, what the response has been so far to your collection. So I know you spoke earlier about the fact that, you know, part of the reason why you decided to really push forward with the business was from, you know, that whole Black Panther era. Um, And, you know, we saw, you know, the very unique and distinctive jewellery on the film. Um, And also I know from your collection that it's, it's very very reminiscent of you know that east african kenyan um culture especially that that uh sort of layered choker that i think everybody yeah. knows kenya for which is absolutely beautiful um but i wanted to ask you yeah what because obviously you're an international company so mm-hmm. i wanted to know what the response has been to the collection and also if there's any sort of trends taste or customers that has surprised you the most yeah so the response has been really good, I would say. Well, definitely for me as a first-time business owner, even when I got my first sale, I remember I launched on the 18th of December, 2018. And um, our first order was from the US and it wasn't a friend, it wasn't a relative. And I was like, wow, somebody bought something. <laughs> um, and I remember being quite taken aback from then. And then in addition to that, we've had some really good publications. So there was a Forbes article. We've been in Essence magazine. I did something with BBC Africa earlier and a number of other blogs, a number of um, other individuals who've really shown their support. I mean, I something that I've definitely realised, and I, I did some research on this, is that two in five consumers actually want more information on which jewelry is ethically sourced so that mm. works to our advantage um and while 42 percent also want retailers to sell more ethically sourced products so with the whole conversation of sustainability um with just eth- ethical fashion as well it mm-hmm. is definitely something that is um that, that's a gap that we're trying to fill as a business so yeah the, the response has been good the thing that surprised me the most was was the the men wanting pieces for themselves even if you you go on the website now I'd say it's quite a feminine look I was like okay let me test it out first item see how it goes I was I was a bit taken aback by that but it's definitely a good surprise and with any good business you need to listen to what your customers want you need to listen to what the audience want because I can have these great ideas about you know what I think looks great and looks fashionable and looks you know all this but what 
are your audience there for, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. And in addition to that, I think with with the mission that we have, a lot of our customers identify with that mission, you know? So just really being consistent. I think one thing I got carried away with early on in the business was trying to just have really pretty pictures. And mm-hmm. I kind of forgot to keep on telling the story, like the mission. These are the, who the, these are the artisans. This is where the jewelry is made, which I think is actually one of our USPs. It's not how beautiful the, the jewelry actually is. You know, right. it's not just the aesthetics. There's something beyond the aesthetics that I think really connects with, with our audience and our supporters as well. So yeah, that, that is, I'd say how the, the reception has been. Mm-hmm. And then also just trying to understand which products are more, you know, successful. So the brass pieces, I just definitely say are some of our, our best sellers whereas the beaded stuff maybe didn't do as well as I had initially thought. So yeah, it is a learning curve, but something that I think is just part of, of the, being a business owner. Yeah, yeah, no, amazing. And I love the point that you made about, you know, listening to your customers, because of course you had a certain vision, which would be, which was a lot more feminine focused. Um, yeah. So if you were like, you know, quite stubborn and thought, you know, I'm not going to listen to that, I have a vision. Yeah. Like quite a significant amount of your customers or potential customers mm. so that's a really great lesson um but yeah you know like and we're like we have you have shared so many gems in this conversation um throughout and I think it's incredible what you're doing and the impact that you're making is fantastic so well done um I just wanted to round off and please could you share um how people can actually shop at Kaleidoscope and how people can also get in contact with you if need be wherever wherever they can find you perfect yes yes so thank you thank you very much and again I have to say the same to you we are just as proud I think it's very difficult sometimes to see what the other businesses out there that whole finding your tribe you are helping us find our tribe just by the kind of people that you you bring onto your podcast so we appreciate you a lot as well um with regards to how you can find the kaleidoscope beauty so we're e-commerce please do find us online www.kaleidoscopebeauty.co.uk our social media so instagram is collide at kaleidoscope beauty ltd Uh, my personal instagram is at blessed umu that's the same on twitter as well and if email get you can get through to us at info at kaleidoscopebeauty.co.uk great amazing and actually i wanted to mention that you know Uma and i have a treat for all my listeners yes. um, we're going to be doing a giveaway so please if you want one of the beautiful pieces um on the kaleidoscope beauty collection follow me as well on instagram at at, Aben, at annette abner um and you can find out how you could win um so yeah that's you've been amazing as I've said, um, thank you so much for your gems and the conversation. Hopefully, you know, we can hear more from you and follow you on your journey to make an even more of an impact. Uh, amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, I look forward. We will definitely, our, ro- our roads are quite parallel, right? So yeah. I look forward to seeing your growth 
and I'm rooting for you, sis, even in this quarantine from afar. <laughs> so know that. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for what we as a community are going to do, you know, just what we're going to do, how we're going to come up with solutions. I think we're such a resilient people. So yeah, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited about the future of, of business, of opportunities, of collaboration and appreciate you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you.